My knitting's going well, by the way. Oh, great. Did uh, Leslie look, look. Leslie did Leslie fix the the error? Yeah, she that showed you're... me where I was in yeah, my loop, and she was like, "Okay, <laughs> now you have to do the, the the whatever it's called." Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Is that good? Yes, I know who I am. Did IQs just drop? I could have been. I, I, mean, I have planned. I like this All shit. Is this is Dance off, bro. It is your Me and destiny. You. <laughs> Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week we are going to be discussing Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. One of the reasons why I really wanted to talk about Ready Player One was the fact that everyone now has this uh, strange alter ego. We all live online, social media and whatnot. And I feel like... You know, if you start looking at it, obviously this is part of the gaming world. The thing is, is that the word game itself is is much larger in this context. And that's one of the things that appealed to me is that even when we interact online, all of us together and all that, we are playing a game. Who I am on on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, I I try to be myself, but at the same time, it's a version of myself. It's impossible to be yourself. You'd be be cannibalized. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. thing, There's there's no pictures of me taking a shit. You know what I mean? That's part of my day. (laughs) That's on my phone and everything. It's it's ready to go out there. But anyway, so I really wanted to get into that. But, you know, so we'll go to the trailer and then we're going to discuss Ready Player One. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid. My mom, too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere, except the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival, and how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The Oasis. The world's most important economic resource. It's nothing less than a war. We're in control of the future. Welcome to the rebellion, Wade. I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? 
us save the Oasis. All right, so welcome back. Ready Player One is a film directed by Steven Spielberg and stars Ty Sheridan as Parzival. Ben Mendelsohn is in there as Sorrento. Mark Rylance plays Anorak and Halliday. Simon Pegg is in there as the curator and Ogden Morrow. Yeah, Lena Waithe ben, is in there Lena as Waithe well, I think. Lena Waithe in there, yeah, from Master of None. Olivia Cook, who was in Me and Earl and The Dying Girl, which is a, it's a strange little film I liked. It's a, I mean, it's a sappy one that preys on, on teen emotions, but I, I liked it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, so we didn't we didn't discuss this prior to any of this. I don't even know how you felt about the film. I, I have an idea. You're a gamer, so I figured that perhaps, <laughs> perhaps oh, no. you might have actually liked this a little bit. Or or that you're going to be like, this is a stereotypical version of whatever the hell that was. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, so I, I just want to know. I, I really like the film. Uh, it's not without yeah. its problems, but at the same time, this isn't a review. It's going to be a discussion of what's going on in there yeah absolutely um yeah i'm i liked it (laughs) it's weird you're right in both counts i would reasonably consider myself a nerd and when Mm -hmm. i think about how these people talk and 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 how tuned in to all nerd references as possible as they can be i'm like okay it's it's an exaggeration but it's not one that's that was too offensive at least they had the right references and they are trying to do something with the super nerdy character and that they want him to be a super nerd so he he stands out i guess i'm I'm mixed you know i only saw this last night you know and my head i i I basically did the best i could divulging all my thoughts uh as quickly in a 20 minute space of time onto a piece of paper and i've got some like interesting things i was like oh well i mean that was cool but i'm still kind of in the early processing phase i don't know if uh, it would benefit from being overthought about, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, this is my second time viewing it. I went to see it in the movie theater. I took yeah. one of my friends out. She wasn't feeling too well. And I was like, oh, you know what? Her boyfriend it was was uh, was uh, gone. I think he was gone to work. She was off work because she'd been, you know, off on sick leave. And I was like, oh, let's 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 take her out. Let's go have some fun and let's go watch uh, a movie. And I mean, she she's part of the gaming world. She uses she uh, the company she worked for. She no longer works for them. She decided to leave. They used to make uh, trailers for video games, and so she oh, cool. this this is kind of the world that she 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 knows, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, I was like, I'll, I'll take her away from work by bringing her to work, I guess. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so we had a great time. A lot of, I had noticed that some of the reviews were a little lukewarm, but I mean, I, I think so I, much so Spielberg. <laughs> well, the thing is that that's kind of what the gist is now, right? As soon as Spielberg puts out a fucking movie, we have to shit on him because he's yeah, lost it's, touch it's, now. Yeah. For some reason, 50%. I have no idea. Oh, no, it's never changed. It's always been this way. People, I, okay. Spielberg has always been a 60 to 70% critical. You know, like, I actually have something about this, uh, because okay. I do find this very, not confusing, but almost endemic of all Spielberg's work, because he makes popcorn films, he's never made any bones about that, he makes something to entertain people, but he he's not shying away from, like, deep thoughts or, or actual analysis mm-hmm. or, you know, or imagery and, and messages in his films, and usually where people cut off is somewhere on the surface when there's always a little more digging underneath that people don't go because it's such a... Its films are usually so finely tuned entertainment that it kind of feels like you don't have to think much further than that. Yeah. Um, but I, I've always think of them as this master of contradiction. Uh, That's a good one, yeah, man. Because, I, I mean, from a critical standpoint, most people are that mixed about him. And I think Ready Player One is kind of the pinnacle of that point. Because it shows that kind of blasé, hands-on approach to something like commercialism. Ready Player One is 
essentially a like an anti-consumer film or or at least a, a film that is saying be more careful as a consumer or yeah. take breaks as a consumer try mm-hmm. to, to be a little even-handed but the way it tells us that story is in potentially the most commercial looking film of all time filled with back references and expensive cgi and it really is a fantastic like treat if you know things about popular culture mm. but it, like it, it it's very spielberg in that sense because it's the kind of thing he, that i always associate him with he always takes something that has a message like that like a kind of semi-socialist leaning message and bombards it within the system you know so he's always using big bucks and big weight to pull these things into the forefront and that often i think to most people undercuts what he's trying to say a little bit you know like oh well you know you want to make your point you want to be a little anti-consumer maybe try practicing what you preach but that's i i don't know i think that's interesting um and i was looking a little bit into contradiction and i mean there's the only thing I could really dig out about it was uh, Marxist theory, and I know almost nothing about Marxist theory. Or if I do know something about it, I couldn't possibly summarize it for people, and I know there's already branching shootouts of it. But I mean, what was interesting about Marxism when it came to contradiction, like Spielberg, is that they kind of break down uh, like capitalism at the moment. So it's broken into th- this kind of contradiction. A, enormous wealth and productive powers coexist alongside B, extreme poverty and misery. Mm -hmm. Uh, So C, the existence of A being contrary to the existence of B is a contradiction. And from that, Marxist theory looks at the idea that because of that contradiction, capitalist society will slowly lean to socialism as production begins to serve the poor because, you know, once everybody's served, it has to go to somewhere, right? And that's the idea. So capitalism will inevitably be socialism, and they see it as a sort of gradient. Uh, and that's funny, because it, it's kind of like that for Spielberg. He he see, he goes hard at the start with like this great big contradiction, like, commercialism is bad, and here's Batman to tell you why, you know? Like... <laughs> You know, like shit like that. That's a that's a stupid contradiction. Batman, the money making monster, is is gonna preach to me about why commercialism is a big fucking shit. It's like Star Wars telling telling you that story. You know, like it's the biggest fucking money making enterprise or intellectual property in the world right now. And it, and if you're making stories through it, it's using its powers for good, but it's a contradiction within itself. Yeah. But that's the idea, and I like that about Spielberg. If you look at it from that that Marxist point of view is that it kind of in time at least gravitates towards the good slope you know the gradients towards this point where it's like oh well at some point this will serve everybody though and i think that's what time does to spielberg's films when they first come out everybody shits on them <laughs> and then over time people get fonder and fonder because they dil- dilate and dilute all the messages within that Mm. to the point where it's just the good stuff you know people like hook now people like et a lot you know where people thought it was saturated before it's 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 easygoing and 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 honest that's that's good and i think there's something to that and that's why i like spielberg as as a contradiction because at some point in my head that contradiction subsides to just the good parts and and the well-meaning nature beneath it all and uh, i think that's cool and i think ready player one's a great example of that well you just made me like Ready Player One even more now hmm. with that explanation because the contradiction itself, I, I was wondering why I felt that this was one of the most Spielberg films in a long time. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that it really came to get me and I was like, why am I enjoying this so much? And you just put your finger on it and it has to do with the fact that it deals with identity and the hmm. idea that Spielberg himself 
his identity seems to be one that's always been fractured. And we always come up, you know, like the whole thing about his family, like the divorce and all that stuff. You'd figure that he has two sides of that personality. And it always comes to fruition with two different films that he's going to put out in one year. Here's the guy I want to be. Here's the guy I want to be. And we never really know who Spielberg is. Yes, he makes popcorn movies, but he's also a guy that's very socially aware. Yeah, And that's kind of funny because... These two movies, you have the post that came out in December and you had Ready Player One come out in March. And these, they, they couldn't be farther apart, right? <laughs> exactly. In terms of what kind of spectacle they are. However, they are still dealing with how to claim your identity. Who are you? How are you going to fix the world that you're in? What difference can you make? Yeah, and I think exactly. that's kind of interesting because when I look at it, it's like Spielberg is telling us that he himself can understand a world like Ready Player One because he has an alter ego. There's Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg, the action filmmaker, but there's also the Steven Spielberg social commentator. And I think that that's kind of interesting. And him trying to reach that other generation, I feel is even more endearing in that case because from what you've been telling me right now, your explanation, I feel like Spielberg is reaching out and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still dealing with it myself. Yeah, exactly. To a younger he's, he's generation. Owning, like, he's owning the fact that even at his age, he never figured out all the answers. And so he's kind of plowing along with the same stuff he's always kind of been working on yeah. to different degrees. But there is an underlying message there that, you know, don't be afraid to let that be you as well. You know, don't yeah. be afraid to not know everything. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's really cool. I really did that really gave me that that contradiction that you're talking about is one that I, I think it's an important message to send out to kids, you know, that it's okay mm-hmm. to be as long as that's you. You know what I yeah, mean? As long as yeah, well, yeah, if it's you and you are intending to use that to fix things. Yeah, I think, you know, as long as your intentions are well and well meaning for others. And with a sort of edge towards constant improvement, then it doesn't matter if you're a little contradictory along the way, as long as you're moving in a direction, you know? <laughs> so would you would you consider this then that if we look at Wade in Ready Player One and Sorrento, would those be the two alter egos of Spielberg? One of them is, is the money-making producer and the other one is the guy who just wants to have fun? Well, I always thought those were kind of fractures of, of a personality that he likes, but I didn't think... I only ever thought of Spielberg in this film as Halliday. I thought those were the forces that affect I like that, or, yeah. and, or, inc- or, or surround Spielberg. You know, if you look at um, Wade, he's very much that endearing audience member that, that absorbs themselves in Spielberg's work, mm-hmm. you know, and he's always got a relationship with that that he doesn't understand, but he's always trying to lean them in one direction. And so when right. he leaves his archives behind and Wade works his way through it to learn a lesson, it's because Spielberg wants the people who are paying attention to learn a lesson from him, you know, mm-hmm. and that is don't be like Spielberg at the end of Ready Player One. I like you know? that. Uh, whereas, uh, what do you call Sorrento? Sorrento, yeah. That, that that's just the antithesis. That's just the force of commercialism that exists in the world, you know, that that controls everything, and within even Spielberg's subject to that. He, in fact, he fosters it, even though he dis- he, he you know keeps it at arm's length. He's the coffee guy. To Spielberg. Sorrento is that that force that comes with Spielberg. You know, the money making, the the I the intellectual properties he creates, he's a creator of worlds. Something that Holiday actually says, you know, I make rules, Spielberg makes worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, he he gives us like Jurassic Park and the big screen and stuff like that. He can't help as a byproduct creating people like Sorrento because right. that is the commercialist 
spinoff of all his work. And it's always trying to eat away at his work like it eats away at the Oasis. Right. You know, he's trying to commercialize it. He's trying to make it more. And But Halliday, like Spielberg, will definitely be looking to the kid who sees all the material and say, ignore that, you know, claim mm-hmm. it from him. Keep the, the good intention, ignore the bad. You know, right. and I think that's really interesting. And I, it was, it was very interesting to see Spielberg, the nostalgic monster, in this, <laughs> where he, where we've seen him, we've seen in the subtext of all his films, the the jilted son of someone, Spielberg, and and the sort of remorseful father type a little bit. Yeah, the, we see a lot of that as he kind of first analyzes himself as a child, then he analyzes himself as a father, and now we're seeing old man Spielberg, where he's looking at his career and his legacy, and what will happen to his work when he's gone, Right. and saying, I delved in too far, in, in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot about Holiday that's like, man, I lost myself in my job, mm-hmm. and I created all these rules and all these worlds, but I didn't take chances. You know, or yeah. I didn't take the chances I wanted to take, which was to keep all the relationships I had going. You know, and 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 in this case, in Ready Player One, we get that love letter to Kubrick, and we can kind of see that like Holiday's love letter to Simon Pegg's character. You know, which is the real moral behind his work is that he wishes that he had more time with these creators they work with and these yeah. other people, and they give them sure credit and they didn't break up the band kind of attitude to things. Mm-hmm. I I see a lot of Spielberg doing that, a lot of remorse about how he made all this stuff, and he, he's not ashamed of himself, but he does have regrets, and that you should be you should be able to accept that at a certain age you're going to have your own regrets. Right. And 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 reflect on them and also try to pass along that yes, the greatest of us still have regrets, but you know, you can you can learn at least not to make all the same mistakes, you know. I and that's what Wade becomes, that sort of surrogate future Spielberg is what he hopes to inspire in his audience. And I thought that was a really like nice take to see from him. It's kind of a sad story then when you look at it. Ready Player One, it it seems like this whole bombastic, futuristic type place and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But the way that you're describing it is nostalgia is one of those things that when you drown in it a little bit, you start reflecting on what you were saying, like your past and whatnot. Exactly. It it does look like Spielberg is kind of pining a little bit in this one, which turns Ready Player One into, again, that abstraction, that contradiction in a way where we're supposed to be this really fun environment. But at the same time, because if you say that Spielberg is Halliday... Halliday doesn't seem like he was having fun. You know, his message was like, get out, do something else, go back into the real world a little bit. He's proud of his work, but Halliday even mentions about how he pines for that world that he once had, you know? And even when we see that he's some sort of artificial intelligence within the Oasis existing on its own, he carries with him his child version because he holds that deer. Yeah, when I used to have fun. Yeah, when he used to have fun, exactly. So he regrets burying himself into the business end of things to a degree. But he still doesn't change who he is. He just warns against it, you know, and that's the yeah. best you can do. And you got to live with that contradiction that you're a man-child in, a, in some attic somewhere deep down inside and you never really moved on from that point even when you got older. That's that's interesting. That's an, that's a, that's an interesting acknowledgement. That you can be that. Yeah, I like that. You know, you don't get enough stories where people say, you know, you're going to have regrets. 
but yeah. you're gonna you might still be fine and you just gotta live with both at the same time living is a contradiction mm-hmm. you know you're you've got to be happy and sad at both points i think that really plays into why the movie can seem uneven because you'll have the idealistic you know hero's journey through wade watts and meeting his people and all that and on the other side you also had like you know um the 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 uh the corporation that's going to be there what are they called again do i remember uh ioi ioi and that that the funny thing is the ioi to me i love the fact that they use that because ioi obviously it's zeros and ones so we're talking about a digital world Mm-hmm. IOI so like you owe yourself something like that but at the same time yeah. there's always that there's two eyes and one zero so you have the idea that it's all about me me if they work for the corporation yeah, exactly, exactly. they become it's those me 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 <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because also you, it looks like lol <laughs> <laughs> kind of does, yeah. It's basically Spielberg warning warning against too much work. The idea that when you mm-hmm. when like I, I'm I'm still paying off my student loans, and I think mm-hmm. that you know this is me weird conspiracy theories is that I think that education and all that stuff, yes, is a beautiful thing. It's good and it's good to go to university and get a degree. But at the same time, it's one of those things where you're slowly put into the machine where you oh, accumulate yeah. debt, Absolutely. and then after that you kind of end up owing, but you need to work to. And I was like, yeah, yeah. isn't this a really interesting they, they way cer- that... They certainly cement you in the system. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The thing is, is that you kind of go into that. And I think that IOI was a really good representation of that, where you know, you're know you kind of obligated to go to work. And at the same time, when, when you see when uh, Artemis has that helmet on, is one that she can't take off. It's one that you know she's just mm-hmm, kind of there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need to clear your outstanding debt. I think she had 23000 you know credits like that, that she needed yeah, to do right. and not only that there was going to be interest on that and what she owed for this thing and you know they, they managed to keep you there to me that's exactly how i feel i went to school to get a degree so i could get a job so i could pay off my degree and i'm like that's, that doesn't seem to make any sense i could have taken a <laughs> shortcut someplace else and ed- educated myself yeah you know what i mean i could have yeah, gotten exactly. a job that didn't the idea is that you as a human should want to be a part of society because it pushes us all up and that's yeah. inherently should be a good thing and that's what we should be doing but but that doesn't make as much money <laughs> as making sure you fit a certain slot, you know, that's if you have thing. certain skills. And that's the system preordains where you're supposed to go. And I, th- I think, like, you know, there's a couple of keys, you know, because keys are a big symbol in, mm-hmm. in, in the film. And I thought that that was interesting because once you kind of relate to that, that, that fact that you become an automaton and you kind of start pining about the youth when you had a little bit more freedom – you kind of start looking at things a little bit, you know, sideways, you know? Mm-hmm, so when I, mm-hmm. when I compared, like when I was sitting there going like, yeah, I kind of feel like one of those workers where I'm, I'm just kind of condemned to going to work. It feels like a, a little bit of a prison because the prison isn't necessarily the job itself. It's actually what I owe. That's yeah, the prison, right? Once that's gone, I could probably do whatever the hell I want, but mm-hmm. I still owe. Now, the other thing is, is that a lot of what happens when you're getting older, to me anyways, you become sort of identified with what you do and not who you are. Sure. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. going to bring that back to identity a little bit. And I think that that's one of the things that I thought was really well done in the film is that H, the uh, Lena's character, Helen, essentially says, you're not supposed to give your name out in inside the Oasis because, you know, you could be spotted. They don't know who you are and yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, she mentions, and this is supposed to be, uh, yeah, H is, is this, this huge, big brute, you know, that yeah, has yeah, a, yeah. a big truck and yeah, whatnot, yeah, like you a know. Metal and, body and stuff like that, absolutely. Yeah. That character says, you never know, it could be a woman, a girl in her mother's basement and in Detroit or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that that's the case. The idea that, 
you can actually be who you feel you can be on the outside, you know? So there's a whole gender studies aspect. How do you identify? Who do you identify mm-hmm. with? How do you, how do you, are, are you able, are you supposed to be continuously wearing a mask? Are you not supposed to be comfortable with who you are? Are you really your work or are you you? You know, yeah, so I think yeah, there's yeah. a lot of really interesting questions and that it are definitely, it, is, it definitely does reflect on where we are right now. I mean, maybe this is just early day social media because that's definitely where we are. But yeah. We do, like, ever since I was a teenager, I've had a, an online mantle, you know, that I've used on forums and, and, and on when I had PlayStation accounts and stuff like that, a different persona that I would have. And I wouldn't say it was a different persona as such that I was a different person in that, but mm-hmm. there's definitely an adequate. Being online is inherently social, you know? Yes. So I think that's different because in real life, when you're you, you're not always social. I understand that you're always on to a degree when you're online, mm-hmm. but it is um, it does come with its uh, with with that identity crisis as such because sometimes maybe you prefer to be that mantle. You know, maybe at sometimes when you're on the internet, you have parts of your personality that you'd rather explore that you just don't have space to do at home. You know, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that that's the dilemma facing people right now, especially those who are like teenagers younger than me, you know, who, who I grew up with it. And yes, it was still weird then, but now it's, now it's so pervasive. It's haunting to see it in Ready Player One, Hmm. not because it doesn't have that same warning about catfishing and stuff like that, that we've always seen, but to see how optimistic the story makes it is very strange to me because that comes to my least favorite part of the film which is the relationship between Parsifal and Artemis, because they set up a, a, a moment there where Parsifal just just plows on ahead with the, I think we're great together, we should go out, you know, here's my name. And Artemis is like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't you know how to work online? And I do understand how each of these characters are all facing that same dilemma, so they're not all entirely supposed to feel like one is ahead of the other. In, right. in the case of... Artemis, she is in a lot of ways very similar to Parsifal's experience in that she yes. too doesn't have a lot of friends. She seems mission-based. You know, she yep. lost her father. She joined a rebellion. That's all we get from her story. We don't see her with friends. She has that guy with the tattoo who's kind of like a caretaker of sorts. It's all trying mm-hmm. to break down IOI in a revenge thing, but we don't see that she has much of a social life either. So there's a little give when it comes to how these two get together and all, but it just it rubs me up the wrong way when it's all when the crux of their relationship is based around how this guy can see past her anxieties about her looks. Oh yeah, definitely. No, that, no, no, that, no. That, that's on the nose because that goes against the whole identity yeah. story that I think it's building. You know that you can be comfortable in two skins. You know, and 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 even if you're not comfortable in one, you find comfort in another. You you can use the one to find out why you should feel comfortable in the other. You know, that's yes, a good yeah, message. Yeah, yeah. 100% and Artemis being a confident, almost headstrong woman who's very capable, well read, and 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 you know, booked up on the scenario, and also has a sense of humor and stuff like that. She has a lot of traits that are very good socially, but also that she can use to help understand who she is as a person offline Mm -hmm. but when they meet up the thing that bugs her and seems overly forward at one scene where parsifal is like oh i don't care what you're gonna look like it'll be fine and it's like what are you doing stop that you know it's not Mm -hmm. important but she finds it important in the end (laughs) you know it's it's like it 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 does actually create a spark between them it does Mm -hmm. her him not freaking out at her 
is sort of the harbinger to their relationship. And that's like, that's terrible. Because <laughs> like, we never get an indication that it matters. And it sends the wrong message with regards to incorporating two identities. I can kind of see it. I, I, yeah. I think that it it's only an issue for that short time and then after that but i understand what you mean though it's like like he's giving he's giving her her his blessing in a way like hey everything's fine yeah. you know what i mean you know but that's i, that I guess that <laughs> i i understand but i think it grosses you out because you're you're in your late 20s and i'm in my late 30s i think that when like if i talk to my daughter about that and she sees something like that she would understand why artemis feels the way she feels you know what I, I mean? Because maybe, and it's it's all the question of social media. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that if you would look through Artemis's Instagram, if ever you just saw Samantha's Instagram, it would always be you know on the left side of her face. <laughs> you know <what laughs> Absolutely, I mean? no, I I totally agree, and I and I do think you can be shown that that's not an issue in smarter ways. Is all I'm saying. Oh, a hundred percent. I that's, agree. That's I, one of the I, things not, that I was like, really, that's what they're going to do know, about it? You, yeah. If you, yeah, if your daughter had that exact problem. Yeah. Every loads of people have that problem, you know. You know yeah. uh, absolutely, almost everybody. I'm almost certain has some sort of anxiety about some aesthetic thing about mm-hmm. themselves. But you could be shown two things at that point. You could be shown, "Don't worry, someone will come around who doesn't mind," or you can be shown, "It doesn't matter if they don't come around. You'll learn to like it yourself." Yeah. And I think there's one message there that is very clearly important, and one message that happens to be in the film. You know. <laughs> So in this okay. film, it's like, wait till the boy tells you you're pretty and you're, you'll you feel pretty. That's gross. <laughs> That's not cool. I, I know. I really agree. I know it's not cool. I, I really, I understand your point. I understand yeah. your point. I don't want to dig a hole on this one as well. I didn't see it as a, an issue. I thought it was overblown. I didn't think that we needed to have a birthmark or anything like that. Like it was some weird yeah. ass issue. This attract- that- yeah, this attractive woman's hideous because of this birthmark. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't it on his trailers that did it? Did you did you see that? I didn't They're see it. His... No, <laughs> it's really funny because they they have um, oh, what's his name just kind of start gagging when when it's like oh my god she's got <laughs> you know and just like just trying to make a huge deal out of the fact that she has a birthmark and I was like you know that that's actually kind of clever because that's exactly what they want you to think oh my god she's she's homely but no the funny thing is is that the birthmark that she does have is actually the skin color of the avatar. You know what I mean? Oh, so I thought that was kind of cool. She actually uses it as an empowerment in her in her avatar. Yeah. See, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things that were just like one logical step further, and it would have made this really <laughs> nice, complete story. You know? <laughs> right. I you mean, I we've mean? got but we've got Lena Waithe there. She's fucking kicking ass both sides. She was great in the movie, man. I really liked her. She was awesome. Absolutely. And is that is that reaching for me to be like one of those things that you could clearly read that this is a woman who feels like a man on the inside, and that's the way she projects yeah, herself? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Because I was like, this is really interesting. You could actually have a conversation about you know gender identity. Mm-hmm. by the avatar that these individuals choose no absolutely i, I think that's a great cool. thing to open up for a lot of people that have never been exposed to that it's like oh well mm-hmm. cool you know it's not it didn't hurt anybody <laughs> no you know it's played but portrayed positively this... here you can be whatever the fuck you want to be yeah <laughs> that, that's there, great. there are stereotypes though there's the stereotypical japanese guys that are just really intense yes uh, <laughs> and i was like come on man that's a little on the nose don't do that mm-hmm you know, yeah. he's there meditating before he transforms into Gundam. Or, you know, like, <laughs> and then yeah, he just yeah. so happens to, you know, when Finale comes in or Finale comes into the truck, he just so happens to be a fucking ninja as well. And I was like, okay. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a little safe. <laughs> Mark Rylance 
is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. No as doubt. Halliday. And you can feel the weight of the world on this guy's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, he's part of these events where, you know, he has to sell the machine. But he just doesn't want to be there. He just wants to have fun. He just wants to be with these people. And it's like he's been working his entire life to have friends. And now he has a bunch of people that are exactly like him. And he can't go anywhere near them. The only friend that he has happens to be, you know, uh, Morrow. Yeah. And they kind of get split up. I think it was over a girl. It was. It, it was seems to be that girl, way. It was over some sort of push for commercialism. You know, it was sort of a, yeah. a breaking of the ways in terms of forming a company. Something like that. And that happens, like, even in the game industry, uh, famously that happened with id Software, the creators of Doom and Wolfenstein, uh, oh, between wow. John Romero and John Carmack. It's been in a very similar way, and it probably was the the inspiration for that for that relationship because one was a very out there artist guy who lived and died on the sleeves of his work, and the other guy was a technically minded genius who ended up sort of furthering the commercial element of the of the company. Right. Uh, the, the the story switches around a lot of the elements of their personalities, but it, I think it does play a lot into the kind of real life portrayals and it's great it, 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 he does make it a very great tortured creator story and mark relentz does perfect uh, uh, uh i mean he's a guy i would never cast for that role you know <laughs> like, that's the jets that's, that's the which genius is baffling to me but when you see him that he just has that, that great nervous nature to him but also the, mm-hmm. a, a sort of hidden cockiness and that's exactly what those yeah. a lot of those guys are like. They're they're like there there is a a social limit to them, but they are not shy. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because when you look at how he basically built the oasis, the oasis was built around like you know, like he said, this friendship. He wanted to have it's essentially what the gaming community wanted is a place where they can all go and be together, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of have fun. You know, I mean, you do it. You play online. I'm 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 not that guy, mm-hmm. but. I like I like the fact that you know the woman's name is actually a pun that unlocks everything. You know her name is Kira. There's the word fucking key in the in her goddamn name, and that's what he uses. He uses these keys in order to unlock a lot of those things. And so she was at the center of this the whole time. The the one thing that I I'm pretty sure that a lot of if if there are really hardcore gamers out there that have watched Ready Player One, they'd probably be going like, how many years have they been in the Oasis trying to figure this shit out? All you need is a YouTube tutorial and a guy would have figured it out in like less than 24 hours. I'm positive of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, that's hey, so just true. go back. You know what the go fuck? Go backwards. Nobody tried that. <laughs> exactly. Well, they don't know gamers at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I was that like, is, that's of, so true. I was I did, baffled I was by that. Exactly I was like, that. the gamer's going to be like, I really need to go to the library to figure this one out. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the fact that in the Oasis, you know, the fact that the curator's there and there's this, this, this museum of Halliday's life that's in the virtual world, you know, mm-hmm. or in the digital world, I should say. And, and, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's narcissistic. Oh, and yeah. at the same time, no, he's created a game within a game, which is even fun because once like the, the clues are Easter eggs in themselves. So they kind of have to keep digging all the time, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because I kind of found a parallel to that with Sorrento when they trick him, how, Sometimes what you see on the surface isn't necessarily what's really there, mm-hmm. but it also points to what needs to happen in the real world as well. Is like you know when they like Ben Mendelsohn comes out of the virtual world, he's not completely out of the virtual world. Yeah, and yeah, it's a fun, yeah. interesting aspect of like the fact that we always have our phones on us is that we're kind of still always connected in a way, no matter how much we think we're not. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because even when he leaves the virtual world as his Superman-like alter ego who can't fly, he's still connected in a way because everything he does is about that fucking world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also like the ending that I think Spielberg kind of decides on, that uh, the cyber world is still necessary, you know? Yes, The, the ending isn't shut it all down. You know, commercialism has destroyed us all, and even when we're looking at society and it's kind of formed on these fucking trailers and shit like that, people are impoverished and not having a good time, uh, and it's off the back of, of these big corporations getting rich. But Spielberg, he's not naive enough to say, we have not gained anything from this experience, you know? Yeah. Holiday isn't saying, you know, shut it down, and Parsifal doesn't learn to that it was all the, uh, like a fallacy, a mistake, uh, this fucking oasis, <laughs> you know? He just learns that take it in um take it in measure if you want to live with these improvements you want to live with capitalism and commercialism you can't live there all the time you know you have to have these sort of weekends to be with other people to live in the real world a little bit and don't be like holiday don't be so consumed with your work that you all you think about is your work you know you still need time away from even time away i don't know i I think it's an idealistic message i think that a lot of uh, people that might actually be in the gaming community might actually feel like they're being preached to it's like take it easy maybe you know get out and do something go get like i mean there's one of those things that you hear online is like get out go go outside (laughs) you know when you're getting angry it's like go outside stop trolling and shit Uh, like that of course and at the same time, I feel like, um, and I, I agree, I agree with you. That's exactly what the message is. It's like, you know, you know, good things in small doses. You gotta, you gotta, you know, learn to mm-hmm. unplug a little bit, you know, that's something that they were talking about also in the matrix, you know, make sure like, you know, the only thing that's real is reality. Reality is the only thing that's real, I think is what they say in the, in the, in the film. Mm-hmm. And if I look at how it's broken down, I mean, Parzival and, 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 and Artemis and H and Daito and show, I mean, they're rich now, so they, they have the luxury of possibly taking time off to do those things you know what i mean they don't yeah, always yeah. have to be but there are other people like you're saying there's a weekend but at the same time some people aren't as fortunate you know what i mean so it's kind of one of those idealistic messages where i'm like eh, careful i understand you need to unplug but i what if that's their job you know what i mean yeah well, sometimes you're going to need to provide you're going to need to do your things especially like when they're talking about but obviously this is a slave labor i hope that there's a union somewhere involved with that <laughs> so that the gamers that are actually making money off of this off the oasis you know they're they're they're, but that's but that's what we're shown, right? All those coins that has to equate to some sort of real life impact, yeah, right? Exactly, uh, and that's what I mean because escapism can become a job, and I think that's a fair. I don't think that's overly idealistic. I know that there obviously, obviously, there are people who rely on the oasis for their their living, but they live in two places. Yeah, you know? don't and don't get a... me wrong. I'm not saying that I don't agree with it. I mm-hmm. 100% agree with it because that's how I feel about what I've been going through on social media as well. It's one of those things where I like, do I really have to have an active presence here? Why can't I just find my shit myself stuff to do and be fine with it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would have liked it just a little bit more subtle. Um, I love the like the the whole the tribute to Robert Zemeckis. You know, it's like. You know, the time machine is there. Yeah, yeah, the Zemeckis cube. The Zemeckis cube and all that stuff. I was like, that's kind of cool. It's nice to see that they're still friends. But um, to me, like uh, I was telling you the other day, this felt like a really updated version of the uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, absolutely. Holiday is, is Willy Wonka. And I felt like pretty much, you know, the people that were going through it, obviously we don't have these mean kids mm-hmm. um, that are there and 
Charlie being the idealistic one that that you know has a good heart and whatnot. And we say that with Wade, that that he's kind of a good kid, you know. He, obviously, the Spielberg trope of the broken family, his parents aren't around, but at the same time, it's kind of like the hero's journey as well. So it's not the real parents; they're gonna be foster parents, and mm-hmm. like so, we've got our Owen and Baru. <laughs> I do, of, I, of, I do. Uh, Ready Player One. They 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 covered up how I don't feel that Parsifal was nearly as good a Charlie as Charlie by at least making what he learns ultimately to be to take days off being him <laughs> you know, like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. because because he's ideal like realistically he's an asshole way too into something and he's far less worthy parsifal's less worthy than charlie okay yeah. i'll tell i'll talk about it, the things that i did like obviously the 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 fuck the shining was was just glorious man when they go into the overlook hotel heading yeah. down the stairs i was just lost by shit in the movie theater i was like oh <gasps> This that's, is that's the beautiful. perfect definition of a uh, contradictory fucking Spielberg to me. Because as I was watching that, in my mind, I was like, this is fucking cool. And then the other half of my mind is like, this is a fucking desecration. <laughs> <laughs> I like, this is in, agree. This is in Ready Player One. This is uh, cool, but I hate it. <laughs> okay, no, I was the exact opposite. I love the fact that there are, there are horror references in this film that are kind of mm. really good. One is The Shining and the other one's Chucky. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that within the game. I was so sure they were going to do Gremlins, not Chucky. Yeah. What Spielberg is trying to do with those references, in my opinion, is that to show that the gaming community is somewhat like the horror community. The Mm -hmm. idea that a lot of people are going to flock to one environment in order to kind of have a communal scare. You know, horror has its diehard fans, and that's one of the aspects is being able to watch it with a bunch of people, and you all get scared at the same time. You all gasp at the same time, you know? And I thought that that was interesting that he would have made that link between the horror community and also the gaming community when you guys are all going to go online mm-hmm. in order to live you know th- this one thrill ride together and so it was really fun to to see how he used the shining in that way obviously yes bringing the new generation hey you guys should check this film out and you know chucky <laughs> as this just crazy fucking thing that when he cuts away and you see all those 101 troopers or the ioi troopers just kind of <laughs> falling down they, mm-hmm. they kind of look like the empire in star wars too right Definitely. don't they <laughs> yeah so um jason you know like psychology tests yeah you know, like, <laughs> like they're like you answer a couple of questions and, it, and people can tell what kind of person you are just from your answer I think uh, I think one for the future will be um, what kind of skin you would wear if you were in the Oasis. So I oh, think wow. I think this is a great opportunity to find out who Jason uh, Michael is. <laughs> I don't know what I would wear. That's the thing. That'd be great because this I actually think... this kind of does exist. Uh, the Oasis in a very rudimentary kind of way. Uh, there's a there's a thing called VR chat. Okay, uh, you get your VR headset and you can sort of move your hands around and you could dress yourself. In the skins, just like you can in the Oasis. Like, you can pick a character and you'll look just like them to everybody else. Uh, uh, I, when I'm playing Minecraft, my daughter is I'm a Stormtrooper. Yeah. i probably do that. Stormtrooper? I'd do that. I don't know why. It's just one of those things where, you know... <laughs> you're, you're both uh, well, anonymous. If you, want, if you really want to get into... You're both specific and anonymous in one breath. <laughs> there you go. And so, it's one of those things where I, um, I've always like talking to people to get to know them you know and that's why like social media has been a bit of a bitch to me because i like to get to know individuals based on how they think and what they're saying and stuff like that as opposed to pigeonhole them uh immediately and so i figured Mm -hmm. that you know by um if i were to pick something i'd pick something with a mask on so that you know the person would just get to know the individual as opposed to who i am or just kind of yeah or try to reassociate your face with somebody else's face exactly stuff like that it would be a mixed message of sorts you know yeah 
Yeah. So I, that, 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 that would probably be, it's pretty much a blank slate. That would, I, I try to do that as much as possible. And I think the stormtrooper is one of those things like, okay, he clearly likes Star Wars. That'd probably be my in, but is this a girl, a guy? What, what, you know, so yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I keep my identity private. That's actually, that's, that's, <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, that's made me reconsider what I would, what I would be because now I'm like, no, that makes so much sense. Like if I have, <laughs> if I have this face of somebody else and then somebody actually meets me, they'll be like, oh, you don't, you don't look like fucking Harrison Ford. <laughs> look, and now you're just like Samantha. <laughs> no, 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 I get that. I know. I mean, I'm just saying from like that dissociation when you, you, you know, two faces at one time, I'm not saying like, oh, they'll not like me aesthetically. I'm like, oh, God, okay. it's going to take so much effort to rework my face over the face they've come to know Yeah, that it's going to be, I, I should have just started from the start as a blank canvas and then let yeah. them let, let reality work its way in a little easier when the time comes, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, you know, I was, and so that's, you've kind of fucked with me a little because now I had, I thought I had an answer or <laughs> like, you know, I thought I was like, oh, I, you know, I'd be like a fucking cartoon character or something like that. So you, you want to be I, something I, that gives you that ability because you see like yeah. Tracer has that like little time warpy thing when she's in the game where she pushes forward and zips away. And the one with like, the yellow glasses? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. right. So you're like, oh, cool. If you could, if you get the abilities of that skin, that'd be awesome, you know? And, and I'm like, okay. So then I'd be like, I don't know, Sonic the Hedgehog or something like that. I was going to say I, Sonic. I love that's Sonic the, the funny Hedgehog, thing. Yeah. And I love that he's so fast and stuff. And I'd be so cool. It'd be so cool to have that ability. But now I don't know. I don't know if it works if you can dissociate a, a cartoon face like you can a mask. Maybe you can. Yeah. And in that case, then I'd stick with that choice. But otherwise, you've you've fucked me a little here. And what I thought was a very confident Hope question, that I was gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sonic's fine, man. You don't think people would be like, oh, he's going to look like Sonic <laughs> when they come see me in real life? gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I, I, right yeah. now, I'm, I'm the Parzival to your Samantha. Poor guy. <laughs> made you self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing i really like the character in the film but i'm pretty sure and i'll check this now but i'm pretty sure we're never allowed to like them again and that's tj miller i rock yeah yeah when it comes to this praise and i'm sure we'll have this conversation at another point in more detail the whole dissociating art from reality kind of thing and then all that stuff right yeah here's my here's my opening asterisk is that <sighs> Don't hire the guy. I, I think it's pretty clear he's kind of wasted it. He's blown it. Your your rule is to not be an asshole. Going forward, maybe they didn't know this at the time, but going forward, that's enough. And when it comes to the film, the asterisk also comes on. You can watch this film and know this guy is an asshole and never want to see him in things again. Right. Even if you like the performance. And I will say, I love the performance. I think T.J. Miller, like, in Deadpool, this improvisational tone that he has makes me laugh really hard every time he's on screen. I think the character, he just made me laugh every time he was on. Like It's like, I've got carpal tunnel syndrome for my neck. <laughs> like, it's kind of like a carpal tunnel for the neck thing. I'm like, oh, man, that's just funny. He's a, he's a funny fucking guy. And he's blown it. And so, again, it's that asterisk thing that I always bring up. You know, you can watch things with an asterisk. I don't watch this film thinking, oh, T.J. Miller will make it. I watch it because it's a T.J. Miller piece. I right. do think we, we should be careful with how we associate ourselves with material in which people who are giving a pretty negative effect to other people are getting money out of it. I'm pretty sure we should be saying, well, you know, let's stop giving that guy money. 
You know, let's yeah. let him either get the suitable punishment or just fuck away off. But in this film, T.J. Miller, often my favorite scenes involved him. And it's frustrating because now I, I, I can't just enjoy that. But I, I can accept that as a grown-up, that things are going to be like that. They're going to be two things. It's the contradictory thing that Spielberg has prepared me for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have that that same issue right now with um like i can't really watch house of cards you yeah know what I mean? exactly and i really enjoyed I'm like, that, that was, show. i love that show man yeah i loved it and now i'm like well shit no absolutely absolutely and it's a uh, tough going forward and it's not any easier in ready player one for some reason yeah, that's how pervasive it is this film only came out this year yeah and that's the funny thing is i, I remember having that thought while i was watching it too i was like oh that's tj miller yeah whoops oops you know oops, what I mean? exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's, but he is a funny character. I'll give you that. That's a hundred percent right. You know, and the fact that his fucking avatar's name is I Rock, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds like one of those guys that just like he was there since the beginning. <laughs> you know, exactly, exactly. Yeah, what does he say? He says, "I've been gathering this shit for fifteen years." <laughs> don't, exactly. Don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, I've got I've got ten, fifteen years of shit in me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because it starts like pouring like, out. What he cut? Yeah, his arm cuts off and start singing i just uh, that character is such a great i i really enjoyed the character i think tj miller added a lot to it because his yeah. t- his style his delivery of humor makes that character just that bit funnier and that's why it's extra frustrating because i still want to enjoy that but i know rightly that i have to measure it a little but yeah anyway overall i mean ready player one is not life-changing i ran out of shit to say to be honest i i, I had a <laughs> lot i didn't to, like i said uh, i didn't prepare notes. How not life-changing it is <laughs> But at the same time, uh, as much as I don't want to see this film as something that's like really surface level, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of it is there for people to notice and uncover, especially a young audience to be just kind of like, okay, I feel like that. I feel like that. I feel like that. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't go in depth on how those things are supposed to work. It's kind of mild suggestions throughout the entire film. And does it necessarily mean that we have to go deeper than any of those things i think no i think what spielberg is saying is hey this is food for thought yeah you guys think it's mindless popcorn chewing film yeah sure but if you want to look a little farther if you want to really look at you know we're dealing with reality and also alter egos in this virtual world and whatnot i'm placing myself somewhere in the middle where i can actually say okay this is good but this is also good just yeah, keep exactly. that in mind. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of fun uh, as a way of seeing Ready Player One. Anyway, so shall we close this out, sir? Let's do it, man. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to our uh, discussion on Ready Player One. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Anything we want to plug is going to be uh, follow Atlantic SC on Twitter at Atlantic SC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also check us out on Instagram at Atlantic SC Podcast. Send us an email if you want to to say, hey, you guys had really nothing to say on Ready Player One. That's really <laughs> impressive. Or, yeah, Did you missed this bit. I'd, yeah, that'd be interesting. Bit, that'd be great. You know, yeah. How could you miss that? Oh, there's Maria. Hello. She's why? Why? Yeah, great. yeah it looks great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a dirty, dirty fair kind of thing. Gone blonde. You know, the blonde. funny thing about Maria is she never says hi. She just flips me off immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she acknowledges you for the cancer of my life that you are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wish I had a comeback for that. <laughs> anyway, we were ending this episode. <laughs> 
I think this is a pretty good ending. I like this. This is great ending. We should just end there. Plug whatever you need to plug and let's close it out like that. And then we're going to keep all this in and it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, perfect. Subscribe on iTunes. You know, then the episodes go straight to your straight to your iPod. That's pretty cool. Jason, you've got a new show coming up. Probably out already. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe. Nah, it's called the Real Trivial Podcast. It's kind of like this one now. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's it for us this week. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.